Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 358 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm good, and I'm ready to talk about our kids again, or not even just our kids, but kids in general. All the kids. Last, all of the kids. Um, last week, we talked about kind of a year-by-year look at the essence of um, each age from two to eight, so mm-hmm. kind of like what our general and some specific memories were about those ages, but also just kind of the feeling we get when we think about a four-year-old versus Mm -hmm. a five-year-old. And like we said last week, we know this is very subjective because your four-year-old may be very different from mine and and all of my kids were different at different ages, but just sort of our generalized memories around that. And this week we're picking up where we left off and we're going to talk about ages nine through about 17. So, um, you know, some of these you haven't personally experienced, Sarah, (laughs) but you know, I think that I can talk a little bit generally about it. You could ask me questions when we yeah. get to those older ages, but we've both experienced up to 13, right? Yeah. So yeah, almost so, 14 and almost my 14. I will say that when you haven't experienced an age range yet, or maybe this is just me, but hopefully not just me, it's easy to oversimplify that it will all be the same after X date. And so when you, if you have really little tiny babies and toddlers, you could think, well, once I get to five or six, what's the difference? They're all big kids. Right. And then when you get into the elementary school years, you realize like, oh, a six and an eight are quite different. An eight and a 10 or 11 are quite different. And that's, I feel like where I am coming into the teen years. I think a few years ago in my mind, I just kind of lumped the teen years all together because I wasn't there yet. And then now that I am in it, I have an almost 14 year old an almost 12 year old. I'm like, oh, I really do want Meg. I want Megan to tell me what's the difference between 13 and 15 and 17. Yeah. Cause of course those aren't going to be the same. That's not how it works. Sarah. They're not. And I will also <laughs> say that even if your experience doesn't match up with the age, like 
my reference points as ages, you know, the difference between yeah. a 14 and a 15 or a 15 and a 16, you'll still notice some difference. You, right. you know, like there's always late bloomers or there's some kids who skip over. Like personally, as a teenager, I really never went through like a rebellious or grumpy phase. And I and I don't mean that I wasn't internally grumpy. I just don't think my parents would have experienced it. That was very much a personality thing. Um, I might have appeared to my parents to just kind of fly past a phase that I just took out on my journal and probably, you know, classmates. So um, we as parents experience teenagerdom very differently, I think, than we experience like toddlerhood because kids start to really have inner lives as they get into that stage. Right. And so they don't know. You don't they don't always they decide what they're going to show you in a way that's a lot different than um, toddlers. Or like yes. preschoolers. It, yeah. So many things about this episode will be different than last episode. And we actually get a lot of requests for more teen and tween content. And then we know there's a whole bunch of you who aren't there yet and that you're you're happy with the little kid content. We're always listening and we're always trying to find that balance. I will say it's not the same to talk about our own kids at 12, 13, 14, 15, 17 as it is to tell stories about when they were three and four for us personally right. as moms. Yeah. So you may never get what you think you want from us from the teen years. And that is one of the hard parts about creating content as a mom of teens is, I I don't know, it's it's not, I mean, there's some privacy issues, but there's also just, they're in the middle of it right now. Maybe in 10 years, we'll do a podcast where we look back on the teen years. I don't personally feel like I could give a lot of teenage stories and advice when I'm in the middle of it. And maybe you feel differently, Megan. No, I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, the advice for me for teenagers is, is very simple and, um, and not really specific to like, like things my kids have done or are doing. I think I could be more generalized and we'll get into that a little bit when we actually talk about that age range. Um, but the storytelling and you don't ever know what's going to like annoy them or set them off. So Clara has a thing about pictures where she's smiling. She doesn't really like the pictures of her smiling. She would rather be making a goofy face or something like that. So I've had to be really careful, even when I'm posting on Instagram to let her choose the pictures. And because I've made a couple mistakes where I've been like, oh, she's so beautiful in this picture. I'm just going to post it. And then she's super mad at me because she thinks that she looks terrible in that picture for whatever reason. It it doesn't have to make any sense to me. It makes sense to her. Um, I remember Owen when he found out I had posted pictures of him sleeping, oh, he I went through a whole thing. He made me take them all down. So I had pictures of him sleeping from when he was like three years old on Instagram. Yeah. Like I had gone way back into the archives and pulled pictures out because I thought they were so cute. He just had a cute little sweet face and he would sleep with his hand under his cheek, and, you know. And then yeah. I think he was around 12 when he discovered that my feed had, you know, half a dozen of those. It's not like I was a weirdo stalker. He went looking. He went looking and was like, mom, what is with you going into your kids' bedrooms and taking pictures of them sleeping? Do other moms? He's like, I have a hard time believing other moms do this. I said, (laughs) no, we all do it. What are you talking about? So he was super upset and he made me go take them all down. And I was like, okay, that's fair because this is your image and I will take them down. But also what? Of all the things to be upset about, you sleeping? Like literally everyone sleeps. I think in his world and the way he viewed the world, that was like an invasion of his privacy because he yeah. didn't consent. Yeah. He doesn't care if I post anything else of him. He's always like, yeah, mom, you need this for your Instagram here, grab a picture. Yeah. But like that being photographed when he wasn't conscious. Yeah. Really bothered him. So, That's okay. So funny. Yeah. 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 Um, 
All that to say, if you are not in the tween and teen years yet, this might be a fun peek ahead. I remember being really intimidated thinking when I was like, when it was years ahead, just thinking, oh my gosh, what that just feels so foreign to have older kids, preteens, teens. And I think it would have helped me in those times to hear some real stories. And, and also to my point from earlier to hear the nuance that, that 13 is not the same. It's not just like having a 13 year old for five years and then they leave the house that there are, there's nuance in the teen years as well. So that's what we'll hope to do today by breaking it down year by year, even though I will drop off at a certain point, I'll drop off and just listen to you. (laughs) I love it. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, Sarah. So um, I'm going to hand this one over to you to kick off. What do you have to say about nine-year-olds? Because you have a new one. Yeah. So I have a relatively newly nine. I guess it's been a couple months now, um, but a fresh nine. And I have lots to say. Um Again, I mentioned this last week when we talked about five-year-olds. There are certain ages where when it's your first kid, 
this number feels huge. And yet when it's your last kid, you're like, oh, but it's still little. And I, I think this about nine too, because when your first kid is nine, you are starting to see the tween and preteen years either playing out right in your house or in peer groups or, you know, people around you. Your nine-year-old might have peers in their friend group with early signs of puberty already. You might be dealing already with like big emotions and friendship drama. So like when you are moving into that phase, nine can feel like, oh, like we're here. I thought this was, I thought this was preteen stuff and we're only nine. Having said that, with my last nine, I can tell you that nine is also just a sweet, sweet, very like prepubescent baby. Like my nine wants to be read to and played with and pulled out the tea party set yesterday. So I I think nine is kind of either or. They are ready for really preteen stuff. And my nine also listens to very teenage music and would like to watch very teenage programming. So it's not all sweet baby you know, dimples over here, but they're kind of ready for the big kid stuff or they're a giant snuggly baby. And I guess my point is it depends. And in my house, it's like all of it. I was going to say like, it's, it, it's like both at the same time yeah. often, like they are, they want it all, but they also want to sleep in your bed at night yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Like they just, yeah. I remember it was at nine when I had that. I think it was maybe a little older when I started to get really upset about Owen getting older. It was just like, I, yeah, I think he, he might've like been 11. more like 11, Yeah, but it's like, you see it playing out because they still love you so much and they oh still God. like, they still want to be your best friend and your sidekick and like tell you things and cuddle on the couch and all that. But at the same time, their faces are starting to change. Their bodies are like starting to change like that pre-changing, you know, yeah. like it's not quite changing yet, but you see the, the writing on the wall and it's just like, Oh, it's a lot. I don't, I don't know if you experienced this with Clara and I, maybe others who have a last baby who's getting older, but my, the way the height works in my family now. So I have a a almost 14 year old who is very, very tall, been taller than me for over two years now. I have, we'll get to him in a minute, but I have an 11 and a half, almost 12 year old who's rapidly growing. He's, he's just under my height, but, but he looks like if you lined him up with a group of adults, he'd be like a short adult, right? So he's probably five, two or five, something like that. So the, the baby, the violet is noticeably small because we are now a family of four roughly adult sized humans. And ask me in six months or 12 months, Reed will be, you know, like right in there with us. And it, so it feels more noticeable that she's little. Does that make sense? Like For so long, the silhouette of our family lineup was two adults and three kids. And then it was three adult-sized people and two kids. And now it's four adult-sized people and then this, like, little person. And so that's where where I'm coming from with nine. And if I'm making it sound like the baby, it's because it is. Right? For me, nine is a baby. And for another family, nine would be this, like, big kid who, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is a preteen. So it's both. Yeah. And that's how we really were with Clara too. Like, because everybody else had started pulling far ahead and yeah. I had very tall boys. Yeah. Um, even though Owen was still kind of in the middle when she was nine, he was still like way, like way far, yeah. like leaps and bounds ahead in development. So she, and she was just kind of short. So she was just teeny, <laughs> teeny yeah. little thing. Yeah. Really cute. Well, what about 10? Okay. So for 10, I went back to my own memory and I remembered that the year I turned 10, we saw a great aunt at like a family reunion in the summer. Now I, I turned my birthday's in February. So my, I'm pretty sure my memory is correct. This was like at a family reunion in July. And this great aunt of mine knew I had turned 10 that year. 
And she gave me a birthday card with $10 because I had hit double digits. And I felt so special. It was almost like I looked around and it wasn't even my birthday anymore. I'd already turned 10, but I thought, whoa, like 10 year olds, like this is double digits. And it was just one person who made me feel that way. But I do think that double digits feels big to both for the mom and for kids. I think tens can be really independent. They can take on a lot of responsibility. I think tens can have really great friends and start to be a good friend. But I also think they can start to feel some of the pressures of more like sophisticated relationships and friendships. Sometimes they feel more academic pressure. There's just a little bit more of the weight of the world on a 10 than on a nine. I totally agree. And I also remember feeling like as a kid that 10, because you're double digits, it's almost like fake teenagerness or something. Like it was almost like I felt like as a 10 year old, something should have happened or like I should have been thrown into like a much bigger world than I was. And I was like, oh no, I'm still just 10. I'm still in elementary school. And you know, nothing's really happening. It's just childhood with two digits. (laughs) Right. You're in that yeah. second decade, but you're right. Nothing, nothing meaningful has happened. Nothing quite meaningful yet. has happened. Yeah. Um, and I personally felt like that was a little bit of a frustrating age for me. Um, but part of that too was like, I think at 10 and, and this is also a common theme we'll hit on for a lot of these like preteen ages. There's such a huge disparity between what different 10 year olds look like and are doing and into. And if you're the 10 year old who's not developing and still wants to play with toys and the 10 year old next to you in school um, is like wearing a bra, has zits and boyfriends yeah. and reading teen magazines, then you can feel or or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like depending on where you are, it's like a disorienting time of life yeah. that I feel like really started like at 10 for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that leads us into 11. And I just said, I think of that as the age where you just really start to see those differences play out. So 10, it's like you see the hints of it, but 11, and I think it can be really hard if your child has had like steady friendships since maybe kindergarten or early elementary school, if they're fortunate enough to have that. And then you look at them and you're like, okay, one of them is like a foot taller, obviously, like maybe this one is like they're growing apart because one of them is really getting into like sports and the other one's really getting yeah. into art or whatever yeah. it is. Um, and that, and not only is that hard from a social, social situation to watch your kid go through. And I very clearly remember going through that. So I probably uh, project and personalize it more than <laughs> is helpful at times, but like there's that. And then there's also you not knowing like what's normal for your own kid as the mom. Yeah. So it's like, there's a lot like looking around and seeing the huge disparities is just, it's, it's disquieting for everyone involved. I think you're right. And I think so typically, I'm typically, I don't even like that word, but if you start kindergarten at five and turn six in kindergarten, then if we're tracking this, you're turning 11 in fifth grade, but some kids are starting school a little bit later, staying back. They might be turning 11 in fourth grade. You skipped a grade, Megan. You were like 11 in eighth grade. I don't know. So my point is we're coming up on ages where you might be talking about an 11 year old who's solidly in elementary school, or you might be in a school system that moves the fifth graders up to the middle school. And all of a sudden you've got an 11 year old who's hanging out with 12, 13 and 14 year olds. And so there is, it is like this brink age where school, I think school and social and activities, sports, you mentioned, 
can really be, you could be grouped down or grouped up, I think is what I mean to say with an 11. And some of that is circumstantial, but it, it that, that impacts your kid. If they're yeah. sort of grouped with the preteens versus still solidly in elementary. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, I, I took, and she was 12 at the time, but I signed her up for, um, skating lessons uh-huh. last year and we went and it was like, I didn't realize this, but they bring in everyone at once and then they group you by age once you get there. So it's okay. like, it's like a huge corral <laughs> and they kind of know which kids are kind of going to roughly go in which, in which groups, but they don't have it. It's like everyone's in one place and then they're calling your name and like pulling you out of the group. And Clara and I walked in and we're like, oh my gosh, it's like 87% little kids. Uh-huh. Now, when they finally did all the grouping, the group she was in was very age appropriate. It was yeah. like her and other kids her age, but they were so outnumbered by the little kids. We never went back because honestly, we were like both uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it felt like I was trying to put her in a baby thing and it, it mm-hmm. wasn't, but something about seeing how, oh, I guess most people who are like really just starting to learn how to skate, like she knows how to skate and not fall down, but she wanted to learn some basic figure skating stuff. Yeah. And most kids start learning that really young. Yeah. So she was just like, no. It is just like it's a lot to ask of a kid at that age to mix and mingle with kids who seem much younger or who seem intimidatingly older and more sophisticated. It's like they almost like at that age, I feel like they start to gravitate toward people who seem on par with them. Yeah. Uh, Whether that's like height or interests or I don't know, like in a way that I didn't notice as much with younger or even older kids like that, like wanting to surround themselves with like. Yeah, it is. And and you can, to your point, there's such a wide range of the, the people who were like them um, recently may not look anything like them at 11 yeah. because of yeah. those early bloomers. And having had an early physical bloomer, I did feel kind of panicked at 11 because I felt like I felt like my 11 looked 13. And was this just going to slide like did, did my expectation, did I need to launch right into teen parenting right away? Because right. physically I, it looked like I had more like a 13 year old and I, you know, I can now reassure my former self that puberty especially is still very gradual. And there is like a, there's a reshuffling that happens in that fifth and sixth grade year where yeah. kids shoot up in height and then someone doesn't. Right. And then you check back in 12 months or 24 months and like the heights have all kind of um, stabilized. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that is, is, but it feels, I think you said disquieting. It feels disquieting. That's a really good word. Well, and I think also it's like, it's hard to know whether to um, tailor the conversations you're having toward the way they look yes, or the way they actually feel and are. Yes. And so I mean, my kids obviously knew a lot about the functions of your body and things like that from a very young age, but like, okay, just because this kid got her period or needs a bra or is getting zits, does that mean it's time to like, you know, dig out a bowl of condoms? Like what, what are we like, is it time to have the talk? And I mean, the one that you have with the teenager, you know, very likely not. And it might just become like a little overbearing. So how hard do you have to run in that direction? just because they look the part. Yeah. That can be hard to yeah, figure out. I think, it, I think it was hard for me. The funny thing is um, we've been talking about 11s and I was reflecting on when Allegra was 11. I actually have an 11 right now, but there's this weird thing that, which is read, but there's this weird thing that happens this time of year. Violet has a January birthday. Allegra and Reed are end of April and early June. 
And once Violet turns her new number, I start rounding up the olders. And Reed especially is in, he is also, turns out, a relatively early bloomer physically. So he's growing, his voice is deepening, and in my mind, he's already 12. So when we were, we were like do, doing this whole 11 reflection, and then I was like, wait, I have an 11 right now, but he just doesn't seem 11. He seems 12 yeah. to me right now. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think back to my 11, I mean, I was like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I was such like, a baby. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Megan, I'm still with you here, but only for a couple more numbers. So we're going to talk about 12s. And you just had a, you, you have a recent 12 who's newly 13, but you've had yes. five, five 12s. I have now had five 12 year olds. One thing that really pops into my head when I'm thinking about like physically a 12 year old is that the shapes, like the bones in their faces change. And it happens really quickly. Sometimes it's more starts when they're 11. Sometimes it doesn't finish till they're 13 or so. But like Clara's face looks completely different than it did a year ago. And that all happened while she was 12. Like her cheekbones became more pronounced. Her nose looks different. It was very different in my boys. Like they have like little man, they got like little man faces when they were 12. Um, if they, 
if they were inclined to have stronger features, that's when I think you really start to see them. Like an eight-year-old probably isn't going to have like a, you know, strong jawline or like, you know, a large nose or something. Those things, those changes start to really happen like around that 12-year-old year. And I remember that and experienced it again with Clara. And she's got like a little grown-up face now that she did not have when she was 10 or 11. Um, Adolescent awkwardness, I feel like is at its peak um, around 12. So the, the, the zits, like the little zits that are like clustered all over the forehead and, um, at like greasy hair, weird smells. Um, but I also remember from a more personal, a more personal note, I personally remember going through lots of growing pains with my friendships at 12, not really knowing who my people were trying to let go of some friendships from elementary school that didn't fit me anymore, but not knowing who my people would be. And then also that feeling like, um, this is forever, like, and not having the perspective to realize that actually seventh or eighth grade or whatever grade you're in, it's just a year and no one will remember this next year and you will have a totally different friend group or whatever. Um, I remember not having that and feeling like everything was very important and like, end of the world or world shaping. Um, and I just watched Clara go through all that from like 11 to 12 and 12 to 13 too. So that was just like a, it, it was like a flashback to when I was that age. Yeah. I think friendship transitions is a really important one to bring up. Cause I think that freaks parents out. And I remember, I think in an interview I did, I think of an expert interview just like being reminded that, that, that they're supposed to do that, that that is practice for mature relationships. And if, if right. they, if they don't actually occasionally have a friend breakup or a friendship reshuffling, like somebody else shuffles to the top of the pile, um, they actually want them to do that because it is, it is practice for real life, you know, and it's, it's good fodder for talking about friendships and relationships. Um, so I'm really glad you brought that one up. Um, I wanted to say something about 12 and like what we mentioned about having this body that might look closer to a teenage or even adult body, but the mind and the executive functioning skills are that of a child um, because it really can come out in things like personal hygiene. Like we all know, like preteens and teens need deodorant. They might need different undergarments that they need to wear. They might need to bathe more frequently. And like, I'm not going to say power struggles, but like the learning curve of how much to be involved, how much is my is is how much is like a house rule of how we take care of our bodies and how much is like, well, like it's your body, your like your decision. And I have I have gone back and forth and I I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, I guess. But that is something that feels very much of that 12 year old year, because as they get a little bit older, they just do get a little bit better about taking care of themselves, taking care of their bodies. Um, remembering to do stuff like remembering their bag or their phone. I've seen a huge growth in from 12 to almost 14 in things like, okay, I have to grab this bag because I have this after school activity and like we're coming along there, but a 12 might look physically 16 and might function like 10 in terms of those sort of personal responsibility categories. Well, and they're not consistent. So like you'll have a 12 year old who is obsessed with Clara spent half of 12, the, the year of 12, um, obsessed about her bangs. So she would go through a lot of effort, including washing her hair because she wanted to have good bangs. And then 
I'd look at her one day and be like, well, when was the last time you showered? She's like, right. I just really haven't in a few yeah. days. I'm like, well, what about your bangs? I mean, like if you're going to suddenly start showering all the time and I think I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then like you go three days and you don't what? Like, so it's that they, they, they get it in little spurts, but they yeah. don't get it. They don't apply it all the time. I'm sure I was that way too, actually, because I remember being really into certain areas of personal care, like like you said, hair or maybe clothes, but I don't think I was taking good care of my body overall. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. Well. Okay. Here we are, Sarah. We're heading into the teen years. Are you ready? I am. I, I've been here. I, I'm like starting to get comfortable here. Okay. All right. So um, I guess I'll just quickly mention that the things that I've, because I now have a newly minted 13 year old and I've gone through this a few times in the past. Um, the thing I've really noticed about her that I would say, you know, has been leading up to the 13 year, the, the year 13 is she's very like justice minded. And I think for some kids, depending on, it's kind of like a six year old again, in a way, and depending on their friend group or like their environment that could look like activism or social justice. But I think sometimes it just looks like, I can't believe there's this yeah. boy in my class and he's so annoying. And that's how it is with Clara. She cannot stand it that there is like a group of um, guys in one of her classes that are rude and get away with it. Like it just drives her nuts. Unconscionable. It's unconscionable (laughs) and it's high drama. So every day she'll come home. Now, Clara has literally no drama in her personal life right now. It's all borrowed drama. Like it's all third hand drama. But when she comes home and starts talking about it, you would think she was personally enmeshed in every single story she's telling me. And sometimes I'm like, who is now? Who is this? Who's this girl that you're talking about? Yeah. And, and she'll say, Oh, you know, I've mentioned her before. I'm like, right. But is she your friend? Do you hang out with her? Oh, well, no, this was just happening. And the way yeah. she's talking about it, you would think she was at the center of it, but yeah. it's like that needing to know the scoop yeah, and have something to come home and very like, and, and just be very dramatic about while she yeah. retells it. And so now I just look at it as a music for a little while. I was getting a little, and it started when she was 12, but it's, it's almost like intensifying now. Mm-hmm. I was a little concerned. Like, is this girl starting problems every day? You know, is yeah. Claire going to school and fighting? And then I realized there's nothing, none of this has anything to do with her. Yeah. It's just the retelling of it is entertaining for her. Yeah. Well, and it's probably like an expanded sense of the world. And just like you said, justice in the world, how, how the social systems work and who's got it coming to them and who like hasn't gotten their comeuppance yet and all of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Jockeying. Um, well, I was going to add, and this is sort of similar, but I think 13 can be a time of intense obsessions that can come in the form of music, pop culture, fashion, uh, activism and causes. Like you said, I have noticed some very intense black and white or binary thinking about like, which is what you're saying, right and wrong. Like, um, this kind of like growing into a mature sensibility about the world without the gift of nuance yet. Yes. Um, learning stuff about how the world works, but who knows where they learned it. Maybe TikTok, maybe hearsay at school and then bringing it home. Like it's a fact. So it's like a, it's like an authoritarian. It's an, what's the word? What is the word? Author authority, like on the world that's misplaced, comically misplaced. Um, and, and I actually remember you talking a little bit about teenagers in that way, like thinking they know, thinking, thinking they have suddenly been given the gift of knowledge. And you're like, hi, 
I've Hello. been on this world for <laughs> 42 this years. For a bit. But you can't, well, but you cannot. I mean, you cannot say that no. at all. Um, Do, yeah. I remember very clearly being 13 and someone like around me making a mistake or like something I thought was a mistake and me being like, <laughs> what fools? And yeah. then realize like later realizing I was wrong. Like, and, yeah. and being like, oh, whoops. But right. that didn't, it took a long time for me to realize that sometimes the things I believed were absolutely right, weren't right. And that yeah. that might mean that I should check my sources or get right. a second opinion or not say anything. Like yeah. it, that was a skill that took me into my twenties really yeah. to really learn. But I started with all the mistake making around 13 because man, yeah. I was opinionated about stuff that I knew nothing about. Right. Or I, I kind of also remember the feeling of really realizing that my parents did not know a lot of things. And I suddenly knew a lot more things than my parents. Um, and I think that's pretty common too. And maybe they did know things, but just hadn't bothered to bring it up. Like, right. I don't know. It's, it's just this, like, it's like a 13 feels anointed by mature knowledge, but like really isn't. Um, can I complain briefly about eating and the diet? Cause I have a feeling this is like throughout teenage years and I'm just kind of newly initiated. So I will, I will lay it out and then we can go into 14 and 15. You can tell me how this progresses, but I remember an episode, Megan, not that long ago where you talked about teenagers needing the simplest form of food. It didn't really matter what it was, but if it required like a microwave, that was too much. So we we have, are just coming out of this very busy time where Allegra was in a play, had a school trip, like not home for dinner. And I feel like I am feeding a toddler again. In fact, I was doing things like secretly cutting up fruit and like putting it out on the counter like you do when your kids are little just in the hopes that it would get eaten. And instead it's like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like teenagers or 13 year olds either don't eat or eat very haphazardly or subsist on candy. They buy from the school. That's like what I snack think shop. Yeah. I mean, and I did this too. So, but it's new yeah. and I, you know me, I'm actually pretty, I'm not overly controlling about food and my kids don't eat great to begin with. So we didn't have that far to fall. That's my point. Especially yeah. <laughs> in pandemic times, we were already feeding our kids a good amount of junk. And it feels like 13, nearly 14 is just leaning in even harder on the junk. Yeah. Um, I will say Clara will come home from school and ask me if we have anything sweet. And I don't really, I don't keep like bags of cookies in the house or anything like that. But sometimes I'll have, I'll be like, Oh, how about hot chocolate? That sounds like yeah. something good or whatever. And then like an hour later, she just wants, it's, it's like if she doesn't get something sweet or junky, like on the hour, she has some kind of weird withdrawals and then will ask me at the end of the night after she's just had like all of this stuff to be like, so are we going to have dessert? I'm like, are you kidding me? The whole day has been dessert. Yeah. And I know you had something at school too that yeah. like, don't tell me you didn't yeah. at least have chocolate milk at lunch. Like I know you did. Um, there is definitely this sense that she could subsist on yeah. bagels with cream cheese. Uh, like there's like a small handful of foods that she would be happy to just eat all day. Now, if I make a real dinner and put it in front of my kids at that age, yeah. and, you know, any teenagers, they'll eat it. I, and I have now started to see that Will, who's 18, will go to the length of like getting, he's also a very hungry boy, but yeah. he will get out yesterday's leftovers and make them. He makes himself like a lot of nachos. Like he'll do very basic mm -hmm. cooking. Owen is still kind of in this mode where it's like, if he can't just reach his hand out, like opening the fridge, he has to be able to reach his hand out and the food falls into his hand. <laughs> 
and then he could just place it in his mouth. Like it, there can't be really any steps in that's, between that's that. It. And he's 16. So yeah. I'm sorry to tell you that yeah. this isn't going away anytime it's soon. Like, it's like, oh, I'm so hungry, mom. I'm so hungry. I didn't eat lunch because I didn't pack my own lunch. And then it's like, great. How about how about um, peanut butter toast with sliced banana? No, I'm not hungry for that. Yeah. How about it's like yeah. nothing and nothing that actually I'm not hungry is for that. Should, no, should I'm, be like to add on their T-shirt. Like, right. I'm hungry for I, sour cream and onion potato chips and um, like, I don't know, sour gummies. It's like it's like their taste buds have, I don't know, jumped the shark or something and gone into this like alternate bizarro world where the only things that they recognize as food are like chemically manufactured flavors yeah. and intensity, yeah. like intense flavors. It has to be like, yeah, like, um, I don't know. Yeah, like Dore- and I've never really loved foods like that. Like, I don't love those kinds of flavors. Like, you know, I'm not going to eat flaming hot Cheetos. Except when I was like 13 to 15 and then I would eat like uber salty ramen Mm, or sour, um, sour candy. Like all of those things were my jam at that age. And, and the good news is you outgrow it because at a pretty young age, young adulthood, I became a very balanced eater and I really like healthy foods. So it's like a short little weird, I don't know what's going on in their little faces. Yeah. Their little mouths. It's like yeah. laziness meets wanting every ex- flavor to be extreme. Right. So. Meets having zero trust in uh, what the adult world will tell them about, like, what what foods might fuel your day today. Like, there's no yeah. interest in mom being like, oh, you know, I know you have a really long day of rehearsals. Like, maybe like a turkey sandwich instead of a cup of ramen. Like, no, there's right. no interest in that kind of advice that it no. falls on deaf ears. I will say I my kids... Um, high school does have foods class. Um, uh-huh. And I don't know if, if Allegra's does or will, I guess, when she's in high school. But I'm really grateful for that. And I hope they don't ever get rid of it because there's just something about having someone who's not me mm-hmm. tell my kids like, here, like cooking an egg isn't so hard, you dumb dumb right. or whatever yeah. the thing is. And then having them like have to care a little bit about nutrition just to get the grade mm-hmm. what otherwise they might not. Yeah, like that's it's, a good it's point. been really useful actually in my family. I will say Jacob uh, did not do well in foods class because the teacher w- had a very old school mindset and insisted that margarine was better for you than butter. Oh, right. And he got into like, I don't know if they have some kind of altercation. Cause my, he was like, well, my mom said that's not true. And then <laughs> like he refused to like write that on his test or something. And I just remember it becoming a thing. Like he wouldn't, he's well, like, it's and not Jacob true. Had very specific ideas about like science and health. From and nutrition, like, right? From yeah, a, he did a lot of research from a teenage age, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had no, he didn't have any humility. Yeah, but right. he had, but he had access to information. Which, a little bit of internet inter- information, exactly. And that was in that was in eighth grade. Uh, it wasn't called home ec anymore, but whatever. Like the thing is, where it's like foods and sewing and yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. all wrapped into one life skills. Um, life yeah. skills. Yeah, it was his life skills class. So he would have been thirteen, and that didn't go super well. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, um, I'm about to have a 14. So a month from today, Allegra will be 14. So this is the next phase for me, but I don't have anything to say currently about 14 year olds. And you were going to kind of group the last few years together, right? Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and just group 14 and 15 together and then 16 and 17. And and okay. obviously there are differences. Um, and you don't, it's kind of like, what's the difference between a 25 month old um, and a 
32 month old, right? right? Like, like, you know, there's a big difference at one end of 14 and the other end of 14. Sure. Um, but I think if you group them together, it allows you to kind of like look at some similarities or like where they'll be on that like spectrum like as a, they're going through it. I'm picturing yeah, like, like, a, like a trajectory. Yeah, exactly. So when I started to think about 14 and 15, what came to mind was sort of like this awkwardness paired with like seething resentment. <laughs> um, when we were moving, Owen found a box that had some of uh, Isaac's school papers in them that he had held on to. These weren't even ones that I saved. These were ones Isaac saved. Um, right. And there was a, a report. It was a persuasive writing report. He had to do around 14. So he was like, you know, eighth or ninth grade. And it was a dear mom and dad letter. Uh-huh. And he was wanting to be able to uh, text in his bedroom. Now, I had forgotten about this, but I guess we must not have allowed the big boys to have their phones in their rooms for a really long time. I mean, that ship has sailed, but we didn't let them. And it was a very well thought out, like the reasons for him wanting to be able to have his phone in his room were very legitimate. His tone sounds like he hates our guts so much. <laughs> Like absolute dripping disdain, sarcasm, um, calling us out for being inconsistent, calling us out for like leaving him, like not being worried about him being distracted by his phone in his room, but not being worried about all these other kids running around and Clara always like in the next room. Like this was like middle child anger Mm. and like older middle child. He wasn't the very middle coming out in the form of a very well-written letter. And I was, and then he had to do a second draft. So it's like, <laughs> I got to read both drafts and see his teacher's markup. And it just took me back, you know, now that's like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me back and I thought, oh my goodness, like he just really didn't like us very much. And no yeah. wonder he hid in his room so much. Like he really was a loner at that age and, and hid from us a lot. Um, and, you know, then he, developed into being a lovely young man and and likes us a whole lot now I think he's still independent and he still kind of keeps to himself sometimes and does his own thing but like he always was that way yeah when I think about Owen my most recent 14 15 year old um I think about ninth grade how hard that was for him now he was also early pandemic in ninth grade so he really got it bad but I would just say Owen checked out of enthusiasm like he he, I remember him saying like, life just doesn't bang like it used to, which I think <laughs> is a teenager's way of saying like, I used to have fun because I yeah. was a kid and now nothing's fun anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I very clearly remember him saying that to me when he was like, maybe f- just about 15, like mm-hmm. 14 going on 15 and me feeling so sad. Cause I was like, honey, there's nothing. Yeah, no, you're right. Life does not bang like it used right. to. Like you used to be able to, you used to be a kid. So everything yeah. was fun. And you used to be able to get together with groups of like boys and go run around the neighborhood. And that was fun or whatever you guys did. I don't even know. And it was fun. And now it's like, oh, okay. So it's like real life hasn't started yet. That's the awkward part. 14 is awkward. They can't do anything yet. Mm -hmm. They can't drive. They can't get jobs. They have this sense that they're older and like life should be starting. But yet it just hasn't started yet. And I guess what I would say is that I think we all experience this sort of mehness in our kids to some degree. Maybe they're grumpy with you. Maybe they just don't seem to like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just can't take it personally. Yeah. 
it's kind of like having a three-year-old again. Like you just, if they tell you they hate you with their face or with their assignment that they wrote, they're not going to probably, well, maybe they would, maybe they'll shout they hate you, but oftentimes they just get really quiet or they go in their rooms and, and avoid you or they roll their eyes at you or think everything you say is really dumb. And it, it's not about you. It's not about your parenting and it will pass, but it's like so hard when you're looking at this person who's so big and you're like, you're almost there. Just, just be nice to me. Like what's, yeah. I've done all this work and like, let's just make this work. And they can't, their hormones are crazy. And they're also in a phase where literally you stress them out. This mm-hmm. research around like yeah. your presence stresses your kids out. Yeah. And it's not because you're a terrible parent. It's because you're a parent. And they're starting to separate. Everything in them biologically is like trying to clamber out of the cave. Yeah, exactly. Um, So for me personally, I kind of the way I would like say that I learned to parent teenagers and I did not get it right. um, And I would say I probably made so many mistakes with Jake and Isaac that I hopefully didn't make quite the same with Will and Owen and went with Clara is like ears open, hands off. So it's like my ears are open. I'm, I'm here to listen. I'm paying attention, like out of my peripheral, out of the corner of my eye. But the minute I get too up in your business, I'm either making it my business, which has never felt like a healthy approach. Yeah. Or it just makes it worse. Or now they yeah. don't want to talk to me or now they're self-conscious. So it's like, I need to be open. Like I need to be receiving, but I need to make sure all of my feedback is like a delivered and almost like a roundabout way or like real neutral, real turns, like the dial turned all the way down. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I want to just be open to it. But often what that means is they're just dropping like a nugget as they're walking past me. Like I'm not, they're not going to look me in the eye and be like, mom, today was a very interesting day at school. Here's what I learned about myself. And I had a really difficult time with a friend. It's going to be more like, a little bomb they just throw over their shoulder as they're walking by or they'll say something and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to file that one away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's rough. I would say 14 and 15 is for, for me has been the hardest part of I, I've heard that. I've heard it at about 14, especially. Yeah. So yay. And I've also heard that it's a little later for boys. So I would say that was probably true for us where it was more like 14 going into 15, 15 going into 16 was like the hardest part. But I have heard for girls, it starts sooner. And I would say that's tracking for Clara so far. Like she seems to be getting, like she seems to be um, hurtling towards that a little faster than the boys were yeah. at her age. Yeah. Yeah. So then the nice thing is we move into 16 and 17. Do you want yeah, me to tell me about this? this. Lining? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was trying to think if I have anything to add or ask, but no, just launch in. Okay. So again, very dependent on the kid, um, their personality, their maturity, the the relationship they have with mom and dad, all those things factor in. But in general, I have seen a huge improvement in my boys going from, I don't have a girl yet at that age, but going from 15 into 16. So sometimes like a few months into 16, it's not like overnight. Um, and then like 16 into 17, even better. So I guess what I've noticed is that they aren't, it's not that perpetual annoyance. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they may still kind of like make fun of me a little bit or whatever, but it's in like an, aren't you cute kind of a way, but it's like yeah. good natured. Like we're all having fun together. Um, they're starting to gain independence and they see a light at the end of the tunnel, either because 
you know, they've only got maybe two more years of school or they have more focused goals. They know what they want to do. They can maybe get a job. They can start to drive. Like they just, it's less about like, ugh, like why even mm-hmm. is the feeling I get. And now they're a little more forward thinking. I've also noticed um, just less complaining, more responsible, a little more dependable about basically everything. And I'm right here with Owen. He is 16 and some months and we are in a great spot after having a couple of years where I feel like Owen could just take or leave all of us and yeah. would be happy to just disappear into his room. Now he like, but actually I guard started to kind of almost like um, guard myself against him being so disinterested and like, you know, he'd sit down at the table and I'd be like almost my shoulders kind of like clenched yep. up and be like, okay, yep. I'm just preparing myself for him to be irritated about something or not say anything at all, or for him to want to disappear to his room and play video games and me to have to go pull him out. And instead he'll just like, he'll start talking to me and like telling me stuff from his day. And I'm like, Oh, oh uh, we're doing this oh, now. Okay. Uh, well, hold on. Let me, you know, like stop everything I'm doing because, but without being obvious about it, yeah. you know? So it's really nice. It feels really good. And, I, and we're just in a great place. And it just makes me so happy because it makes me remember like when he was 12, 13 and I saw the writing on the wall, he was such a sweetheart. And I saw the turning coming. Yes, I like, remember that. I mean, I remember you talking <laughs> to me about yeah, it Yeah, and it wasn't your first rodeo you had. And I no. guess that's why you had had three teen boys and this was your last pre teen boy. And you yeah. just, it, you were sad. I remember I it really, really well. Sad. Yeah. And I also think I always knew with Owen that that was that the chance was very good that that was the direction he was going to go because when he was like three, yeah, he was super stubborn. Yeah. He could be real, like just grumpy. And if he didn't get his way in particular, and I was like, well, that it seems like that's probably logical that that's the kind of young teenager he'll be. And now he's over it. It's like, he's back to his sweet, sunny, almost like nine, 10 year old self. So, but you know, but much more mature and funny and smart and all that. So, and Will is 18 and he's fantastic. His 17 year was great. Like 17 was when Will came into his own. Yeah. Um, everything lined up for him at 17 and now he's 18 and things are getting even better. So it's like when you're in that 14 to 15 year old stage, it, and now I've done it four times. And each time that I've had a kid struggling at that stage, I'm like, Oh, it's never going to be better. This kid is just like, this is how they're going to be as a teenager. And this is how they're going to be as an adult. And then you get past it and you're like, Oh, right. Nope. There's this whole other thing yeah. and I forgot. Um, and it's really, it's nice. That's very, very good. nice. That's, that's such a good, hopeful note to end on. And it's a good reminder for any stage and phase too. We have over the years compared Owen and Reed quite a bit, yes. um, in, especially in their like three to six year old personalities. And then, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm watching closely. I'm listening closely to the Owen teenage well, trajectory as well. It must be hard to be as smart as they are and to know everything about the world and what everyone should do. You know? Yes. And to have <laughs> zero you know what's to give about how other people's like like social graces and like yeah. the trappings of not that they have zero empathy at all, but just like not interested in making other people's feelings comfortable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think of I always think of Owen and maybe you think of this way too, but like about read if if the world had quality control people like for the yeah. whole world <laughs> like like not just for specific things happening but if someone could go around and be like mm, you can do better with this like you know why is that tree that size uh 
God could do better. Nature could do better. Oh like my gosh. that would so be funny. Owen and Reed. That like they're be... just, they just have the answers. Yeah, we are just, so we're just living in their world trying to like, you know, not mess it up, I guess. <laughs> well, we are still solidly in the sweet, um, sweet preteen for now, but I'm yeah. watching that trajectory. Well, let's talk about, we, we purposely timed these two episodes to lead up to this Friday where you're going to talk to that great, big, strapping 18-year-old man-child of yours. I am. Will is going to be my guest on our Voices episode. We haven't recorded it just yet. So, like, I'm not 100% sure what he's going to say. Um, I will say Will has had every experience there is in high school. So I think it's going to be great to hear him talk about, like, year by year being a teenager and, like, mm-hmm. what like, what is life really like as a teenager? And are the things that we worry about them being, you know, hurt by or interested in or whatever, are those really the things? And I mean, he's gone through everything from a major friend breakup um, to like having, I don't know, a band that he was in to just like really struggling and then now doing really, really well. And I think it's like, it'll be really interesting and, and, and hopeful, I think. And he's also just very funny and a great kid. So I'm, I'm excited. Super excited for that. So that'll be coming up this Friday. Um, and yeah, I'm really glad we did this, Megan, for those who want to check the show notes, we will link up, um, other episodes kind of like this. If you want more content on tweens and teens, we'll link up some of that in the show notes at themomhour.com. And I look forward to listening to you and Will on Friday. Me too. I'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.